August 29, 2012. It's a Watt from Pedro's show.
Rock for Pedro Show. Uh, here at the Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point, Brother Matt, it's been a long time. Yeah, way long. Uh, maybe only second time here all summer because the third show we did was actually on uh, Skip the Jeff's boat, right? Boat, yeah, which was bad. We did it down yeah, on the yeah. boat. No, I, I listened, man. Couldn't yeah. do spin cycle though, so the, that's what we got to work in now. Next is how to uh, do spin cycle on the boat. Yeah, the iPad, so I, I can I can do some kind of reasonable Yeah. Okay. We got to try that. Actually, the wind wasn't as bad. We thought the big hail was going to be wind, wind on us. Yeah. Oh, you, you might be hearing voices. Yeah. Because we, we have guests. guests, Brother Matt. Yeah. Dave yeah. Markey and Jordan Schwartz in the right. house. Welcome back. Eho, Santa Monica, parts northwest of here. They made that the trek, and we're very, very honored. Now, we're going to get into Dave's story uh, on this edition of the show. We started off with Centerpiece by John Coltrane. Dave Markey is going to be our centerpiece. Uh, Jordan Schwartz. Merely an appendage, but <laughs> I'm just party fill over here. <laughs> Jordan was solo last week, man. <laughs> yeah, you had yeah. It was yeah. the Jordan show last week. Yeah. Dave is Dave is the news. Oh, news by the way, news. right right away, I want to tell everyone that both Jordan and Dave have got a show coming up at uh, soon to be formally Bergamot Station Track 16. Right. Because motherfuckers, mm-hmm. even though it's a good thing that they're putting in mass the transit, cool, yeah. but it's in the wrong place. Yeah, yeah. I, guess, I guess you guys know this area because you grew up. Wasn't yeah. there even a school by there? We grew up right around Isn't that. there a school by well, there? there's Crossroads School. That's, that's, I went to Crossroads well, School. Well, there, there was a, uh, an elementary yeah, school. But wasn't there actually, wasn't there mass transit there? There used yeah. to be a train. That, that's uh, why it's called it like a red car stuff. Yeah, that was, that red was car a train station. Huh? The train that was, uh, I think that was all industrial. That's why Santa Monica Boulevard is so wide. Yeah. Right. There's a little one and a big one. That was, right? a, that was a red car. Yeah, this is, this yeah. is the exposition line, right? So this is exposition boulevard. There was an exposition line and it dumped uh. in the, in the uh, south part of Santa Monica. So this, this line doesn't go anywhere near Santa Monica Boulevard. Well... That, that thing was wrecked in 1960. It's been a lot of years, George. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we, we, but I'm saying why that property's there and why it got turned because it got disused because motherfuckers bought well, buses from Detroit. It was also a bunch of warehouses and other factory stuff. So there's a still bu- is on that right, street. Right. In, in Bergamot Station, there's like 10 or 15 galleries there. Yeah. Only yeah. Track 16 and one other one is getting. Getting eminent oh, domain. Right, right. So yeah, it's everybody weird. else skates. It, it like uh, what's his name? Right across the thing. The Copro Gallery with Gary Pressman is that does the it, surreal it gets stuff to stay. there. Right, and he had he had done the Mentors Get Up and Die video and the Mentors yeah. Funk movie. Yeah, his, uh, his gallery moves on. Oh yeah, after Coach Ray, played uh, August Diego. Oh, and that's Saturday, September 8th. Uh, yeah, we still got some red car here. It's like the train to nowhere. We have three like of them. Three I mean, in fact, one of them is an original. Two yeah. of them are, are copies, but one's a real dealio. Yeah, the train and it goes to from the cruise ships down to here. Where the, Serves no purpose. Where Kennedy's used to be. <laughs> yeah. You know one righteous thing, though, about that area I've been pedaling around uh, since getting back on tour? Fucking Westway, which used to be Mike's Tank Farm, is mm. finally being torn Oh, yeah, down. yeah, they're putting in like a university. We have this caustic ass. There. Yeah, it's going to be a sound stage, right, or something? Oh, I thought it was going to be like a, a Maritime Institute for, for Oceanic oh, Studies thing, or like something squibs. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. But anyway, at least they ain't a tank farm with towel yeah. and so, and you, do you know about Torrance, that standard paints, when you would drive by yeah. there, that's, yeah, we yeah. had one of them. And you see the trees, we have pine trees by there, you would not believe the growth, mm. the way that, like, yeah. they're just like George Hurley units. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, 
They're all like units but, because the caustic chemicals. That, and, and that ain't no way you want to ride. You know, you want to, you want to make sport. <laughs> so in that same zone, speaking yeah. of Burger Month, they just opened up that crafted the same crew with like trinkets and art crafts. We got yeah, we got two warehouses. That's for craft. This is an art. This is craft. Yeah. And they they think that a lot of people are going to buy stuff. I guess only. Art is different than Bergamot's not crafts. It's fine art. It's paintings uh, and stuff. It's sort of like uh, what they try to do on Seventh Street here. On yeah, 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 yeah. Our shit's coarse art, though. This, this is uh, coarse art. no, but th- these two warehouses they just oh, I saw that on the news. Crafting. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's doilies and chicaderas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shell macrame, macrame. Actually, what they sell at the farmer market on Friday, they got little tents yeah. there, but. I, I saw a thing on the news about when that opened up about a month They're ago. Scary. It's a big warehouse with all kinds of arts yeah, and crafts. Yeah, yeah. So now we got a battleship and a craft right, warehouse right. that is supposed to but, turn it into Marina del Pedro. It, yeah, in a way, because they do look <laughs> towards Santa Monica for certain things. Uh, for example, promenade to maybe replace Ports of Call. Yeah, but Ports of Call is fucking cool, though. I know. I don't want it. I'm, dude, I'm not <laughs> pro promenade. The promenade idea is what you see at Pier and Catalina and Hermosa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Long Beach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had the old mall. The look, old look, mall this is, it, we'll get all depressed. I'm yeah, yeah. The old mall me. became the new mall. The new mall became the old mall. Let's start with Dave Markey. Where were you born and when? I was born uh, December 3, 1963, at St. Joe's Hospital in Burbank. In fact, uh, so you're a valley guy. A native. Joseph, Joseph uh, is my middle name. Uh, that's what my parents gave me after the hospital I was born in. Um, uh, yeah, it was, uh, unbeknownst to me why I was born there. I didn't find out until a few years ago, but, uh, I was adopted and, uh, my birth mother lived in, in, in Burbank and that's why I came into the universe there. But, um, you grew up, but I grew up, uh, grew up on the West side primarily. The first five years was, uh, in Echo Park actually. Oh, really? Where, where my folks lived. Uh, dad was a carpenter. Mom, you know the old uh, name for Echo Hill in the old days? Red Hills. It's a great picture of uh, yeah. Art Pepper going up one of the hills. Yeah, actually, Echo Park was where the first studios were. Where the, yeah. uh, that's just where Hollywood was going mm. to be way back. You know, Max Sennett had his uh, stages there. A lot of those uh, silent films were shot all around there, Echo Park. But, I mean, that's like way before my time. But You're there, what, to the age five? Oh, uh, I was there to the age five. Moved out of there in 69. And no, but uh, uh, to that point, yeah. age five, were you... Did the music thing come into your life? Did the movie thing come into your life yet? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, there was television. I watched stuff on TV. Uh, you know, I heard music all around me. There was a band that practiced down the street. And uh, years later, I discovered, I uh, realized that fucking Mothers of Invention used to rehearse in my neighborhood in Echo Park. And I wonder you might if that was if the band hearing. that I remember hearing that was playing wow. down the street back wow. in sixty. You know, 64, 65, just a fucking little kid hiking around there. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to think that was the fucking Mothers of Adventure. Yeah. It might have been, might not. But, but anyway, uh, yeah. whoever it was, there. this is how music was introduced to you. Yeah, I mean, I remember, you know, uh, you know, I heard music from a very early age. It was very much on the landscape here in SoCal, you, you know, blasting out of cars, blasting out of stores. Okay, you moved to the west side. Did you start buying records? Uh, you know, I bought, I used to buy 45s. Yeah, what's your first one? <laughs> you know, so I think, I. I think, I don't know what the first one was, but I mean, I remember having like, you know, War Cisco Kid. <laughs> yeah. I remember having uh, the Turtles Happy Together. Yeah. I remember having uh, 
Nancy Sinatra, these boots, boots are made for, for walking. Walk. Yeah, Forty-five. Lee Hazelwood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And John, and John, Joe Osborne on bass. Yeah, man, the B man. side was "The City Never Sleeps at Night." I used to spend. What that was all the store? The or did you get these like at a thrifty? Because you know people don't know in the old days they used to sell records like at thrifties. There was a record Grants. store. There was a yeah. record store on K-Tel. Pico and Bundy, and I don't even remember Newberry. I think, yeah. I think it was just called Record Store. Um, and you'd go in there, and they Pico would have Bundy. they would have the weekly top thirty. You know, and you'd have the chart there, and you'd look at it. And look at Pico Bundy's not far Pico from Music Bundy. Machine. No, no, it was right, right there. It was right, right yeah. there. It was right in that block. In fact, now it's like a fucking medical marijuana dispensary yeah. at this joint. Uh, but yeah, it was just right down the street from uh, Music Machine, and uh, many gigs there. that's where I used to buy those singles. And you know, I mean, it was a while before I got into albums, but I mean, I used to listen 45s. to. Used to listen to you know AM radio you know ah so you hear that song ninety three KHJ you know real Don Steele right. yeah you'd Charlie hear Tuna. you'd Machine hear everything Kelly. from Machine you know you'd hear you know Grand Funk Railroad we're an American band you'd hear you know whatever Jason's Tramps and Thieves yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you'd hear Guess yeah. Who? You'd hear it all. It was just a weird mix. Yeah. It was Crocodile, Crocodile Rock. Rock. You know, it, 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 it was Saturday a nights all right for biting. Saturday nights all right. That's when FM came in a couple years. James later. William was was convinced that Elton Juan ripped that off. I saw that on his Facebook. I was but reading that. You know, he um, told me this on this last tour. Yeah. Like, the problem is, the song came out a year before they did Kill City. But right. he said he did uh, circulate the demo around because. There's a weird Stooges gig in, in Atlanta, Georgia, 1974. It's the Georgia Peach thing. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. That came yeah. out on the remix. Yeah, that's a great Elton fucking Elton comes gig. up on stage in a monkey suit. Whoa. Yeah. Okay, you can hear people talking about it, right? Wow. They, they, well, they didn't know who he was. They, they, they thought chat, was Yeah, the chat in the background on that live thing is amazing, what the people are saying. Yeah, but uh, so... James Williamson thought there was some connection because Kill City does have that link. It on does. Them. It's a similar link to Saturday. Yeah, night. Similarly, yeah. So, what about school? Did you get music friends? You know, I went to uh, you know the first seven years. I went to parochial school. I was put into Catholic school, oh. and uh, that was in West LA. That was kind of a uh, you know a, a, way, a little bit away from where you know my folks lived, and uh, uh, I guess. Ma wanted me to have a Catholic education, and, uh, you know, so I did. Was there music people there? You know what I got there? This is what I got from St. Sebastian's uh, on Federal uh, in West L.A. Uh, What I got from there was uh, Jesus Christ Superstar soundtrack. Oh, wow. They they used to play that as a part of religious studies, and, like, you know. the purple guy singing. Ian Gillen singing, first of all, you know. I mean, this was like a few years before I would ever hear Deep Purple, but <laughs> Ian Gillen singing, you know. you know, um, Lloyd Webber. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was way into that soundtrack. I mean, I used to, you know, I used to rock It was coming out of a whole movie because there was hair and right. all these things. Broadway, these, yeah. But yeah. it was like, you know, it was a weird mixture of psychedelic and heavy metal and just all this culture just sort of melding and... Yeah. You know, I just soaked it up as a kid, you know, you know, the man was on the moon, all the shit was going on. I was just a tyke. I I didn't really assimilate much of it, you know. Uh But up to junior high or grade? Uh yeah, by the time I got into junior high, funny enough, uh you know, I uh my dad died, you know, I was 13 and that was kind of a really changing uh life-changing event for me as a kid yeah and i i put my foot down at that point and i said you know to my mother look i'm going to public school now i'm going to be normal mm-hmm. so 
I kind of bailed on Catholic school and uh, went over to John Adams. Well, what did you get to punk if you wanted to be normal? <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this is pre-punk. Oh, Jordan told this us. You came skating down a driveway into some... Yeah, some rainwater. I, I met Jordan in water, right? Yeah, we're, we're almost we're almost getting to seventy nine. We're okay. somewhere right now. We're somewhere we're in seventy seven. This was just a couple years before I met Jordan. Okay, uh, and uh, you know that was a trip. You know, was, I mean, I was hanging all, out with Lenny Kravitz. only child, and uh, yeah, I went to John Adams Junior High, and my uh, my good buddy, one of the first people I met there was Lenny Kravitz. Uh, I mean. But he's a musician, so you. Well, he wasn't a musician at the time. No. But he had a huge, he, was, he had a huge afro, no. and uh, I remember for Halloween, seems like for Halloween, he dressed up years. as he dressed up as Gene Simmons for Halloween, and I, I took a picture, and that was my first published photo anywhere ever. It was in the John Adams Junior High 1977 yearbook, and it's photo of Lenny dressed as Gene Simmons <laughs> on no, Halloween. No, but he, I mean, he plays so good. It seems like he played since a young guy. I don't think he was playing back then. Okay. Actually, no. You know what? No, he was. He was taking uh, music classes. Uh, he was okay. in Mrs. Beasley's classes. So yeah, he was studying it actually at the time. But it wasn't like he was playing in bands or anything. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I hooked up with him again a few years later because at that point in time I was in uh, Sin Thirty Four and. Oh well, how did that happen? Mike, the guitar player, had a sister who was dating. Uh, Lenny at the time, so it was a few years later. This was like eighty-one versus seventy-seven, and uh, at that point in time, uh, he said, "Yeah, I'm getting into music. I'm going to be this." He was going. He was going to be this guy named Romeo Blue. Oh, that was like his character at the time. He was really into Prince. He wore yeah. these blue contact lenses, and I remember he played me his demo tape, and he had this song. You know, this is nineteen eighty-one. He had this song called "The Safe Sex Rap," which. It's kind of ahead of its time, you know. Exactly. The concept, it that, that that whole that whole bit didn't happen for me. Eventually, shucked that whole character and just became Lenny Kravitz. But uh, you know, it's just a trip reflecting on being a kid and you know growing up in this town. You, you kind of stuff happens. You mm-hmm. you know. Not as much as Peter. We had yeah. Peter Brady here. <laughs> Peter, I met Deep. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I want to play some music. Okay, walk under the right tree in Pedro.
side reader. Before reading my letter, I'd like you to take a look at the Naked Aggression interview in September 94. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's the one with the Jell of the Africa. I tell you for sure, but the one I've got is missing the cover. In mid-September of 95, a friend and I took over the promo of a Naked Aggression show. We took on this financial responsibility in hopes of stirring up Joplin, Missouri's stagnant punk scene while bringing in some relatively fresh ideas and faces. So I was given the number of their manager and told to call her. This struck me as funny. A DIY punk band had a manager. Oh well, I thought. Maybe this was the way bands did shit. I was from a small town and this was the first show I'd ever put on. So I called her. I must admit, I was pretty intimidated. I was getting ready to talk to a woman who booked bands like the Queers in seven seconds. The first time I called her, I got a machine. But finally, I got to speak to a human. She seemed nice. A little too business-like for me, but I dealt with it. We agreed to a guarantee of $200. Set the date at Wednesday, October 25th, and a door cover of $4 at the door. I proceeded to do promo. I ran off 1,700 flyers for about 50 bucks. I got the money from selling our fans' tickets. I helped to make the money back. Silly me. While my partner ran off 12 11 by 17 inch full color posters for about $25. We then made promo packs. Each pack had 200 flyers and a poster. We put them together and sent one to KC, Springfield, Lawrence, Tulsa, Wichita, and Faithville. That and long distance phone calls was my total cost to about $100. The bands we booked were Brother Inferior from Tulsa, Black Label from Lawrence, and our band, the Richards. We decided to hold the show at a place called the Dead Cowboy. Since we were running a tight budget and the bands were playing with naked aggression, they only wanted gas money. The club wanted $100, no more, no less. This brought our total cost up to $250. This was when we started to run into problems. The club the show was at was an old metalhead collective type thing, if you can imagine that. The guy who ran the place didn't have a license and so dealt with the local picks regularly. The last show our band had played had gotten shut down. This problem we solved with true punk rock ingenuity. Instead of putting on the flyer $4 at the door, we put $4 mandatory donation at the door. I don't know about elsewhere, but it's Joplin. You can't charge people at the door unless you have a business license. But since we're Americans, we have the right to gather. So we gathered while charging mandatory donations. We only put these special flyers at the Joplin, about 500 flyers, while the rest that were sent said $4 at the door. Then problem number two arose. Black Label canceled on me because of band politics. So I got another band, Psycho Babble. Logic also hit I didn't know where else Naked Aggression was playing in the Midwest. So again, I called Marge, the manager. I updated her on the progress of the show and asked her about a list of tour locations. She didn't say anything about the list, but seemed skeptical about the number of bands playing and about the club situation. I reassured her about everything, and she told me Naked Aggression wanted 50% of all profits in Africa. I agreed to this with a little hesitation and relayed my problems with her. She gave me Mighty's number and told me to call her. When I talked to Kirsten, she seemed pretty interested. I had sent them a promo pack for a band and had confirmed the show. She thought that was a pleasant surprise and asked me about Johnson. She was kind of worried about the cops and rednecks in the area and told me about running naked aggression had sound in their book. I told them they had shipping had a problem and then told her about the incident Gigi Allen had when he showed up here. I also thought that the crowd would be relatively larger than usual because of the amount of promo. Overall, she was very nice and seemed very excited about playing down here. When I got off the phone, I felt very excited about playing the show. The next two weeks went pretty smooth. We expected about 200 people on a weekday night for the show. This was good. We only needed 122 people to break even. Factoring in a sound man and naked aggression's cost, my total was $490. As far as I was concerned, we were doing our job remarkably well. At about 3.30 p.m. on October 18th, I received a phone call. It was Margie. She told me that naked aggression was canceling because one of the band members had asthma. How convenient. A week before the show. We didn't talk long. She had a lot of errands to do. 
So did I. I made the 30 minutes of phone calls necessary to cancel the show. Everyone was pissed. So now what? Well, in theater, there's a saying that goes well with punk rock. The show must go on. I booked Brother Inferior as the headlining band. They wanted an extra $45 in Snake Aggression was playing. This brought my total down to $335. Since I was broke, I spread the change in plans by word of mouth around town. On the night of the show, about 70 paying people showed up. Actually, 110, but the rest were either broke or on the guest list. Just to support the local scene. I lost about $90 on this little venture, but I didn't mind because it was my choice to keep the show going. But in the end, it was a great turnout for a weeknight punk show in Joplin. I had a blast. By the following Thursday, I was back on the phone trying to get in touch with Kirsten. When I called, some guy answered. He told me Kirsten was out on tour. I told him I had booked him, but the manager told me they canceled the rest of their dates. He told me that they just took a vacation for a week. I ended up leaving a message to the effect that because of their little vacation, they had lost about 30 fans. And the coffee was playing until this day she hasn't called. Now, I'm not trying to start shit up. I'm just voicing the common problem that has arisen with the business-like MTV hustling money-loving mentality of fans. What happened to the common bond and understanding the difficulties of putting on a show yourself? What happened to the appreciation? What happened to the battle cry, fuck corporate rock? No, wait, I got another one that's not so obvious. Fuck bureaucratic rock. This sickening display of bureaucratic ritualism defined as a preoccupation with organizational rules and regulations to the point of supporting the group's goals is what punk rock, so I thought, was against. Kirsten, I hope this is not your fault. I hope you had little to do with this. All I want is an explanation and an apology. It's about two months since the show, and I've yet to hear from you. I wasted my time and my band's resources to get you a crowd of guarantee and your manager for precious money. I wouldn't have minded dishing out the cash if you had showed up, or even called yourself, but you didn't, and I still missed out. Thanks, guys. If I'm wrong, you can call me with an apology for wasting my time. The way I see it, Naked Aggression didn't show up to play in Joplin because Margie found them a better offer somewhere else. That's why Margie didn't give me a list of other locations... Because she didn't want to face the problems if she backed out on me. She didn't want me hunting the band down. All these East and West Coast big wig punks tell us to get off our asses and do something. But when we do get off our ass, we get shit on by these people. Fuck that. I live in the Midwest where the only time we get decent shows is when a band goes out of its way to play here. The rest of the time is spent with local bands. But people hear that they are from smaller cities and they roll their eyes. Fuck that. It takes a lot of balls to be the way we are in these orifices of ignorance. Where every day you're getting threatened or beat up by redneck jocks or Bible thumbers. You at least have a place to hide. In Joplin there is no place to hide. Down here it's against the law to be ugly. Can you believe that? The goddamn cops can arrest you for being a freak. And the fans from the East and West who tell you to do something for the scene cancel on you. Most people out there have said, fuck it, not me. I say, fuck the mainstream punk rock. I'm concentrating on the Midwest scene. Old school all the way, baby. If you want to play out here, call me. But right now, I'm not dealing with fucking managers and I'm not dealing with fucking guarantees. You fuckers are just going to have to trust me. I'm sick of our part of the world getting ignored. We exist and we fucking care. We're sick of getting pissed on by money-grabbing DIY punk fans, rock star assholes, or out-of-town know-it-all punk rockers. Fuck that. As far as you're concerned, if you live in this part of the community, you've had this happen to you. You want to play one of our shows or you just want to know more about the Midwest Underground, call or write me at Dan Johnston, 528 North Pearl, Joplin, Missouri, 64801, 1-417-623-5663. Pistorius kind of uh, song. Let's go.
Here we go. Rowan? Okay. Yeah, the key in mind to unlock a godly treasure. I mean, a key in mind. I, you wouldn't believe the songs I write. Pedro show. Uh, you just heard, uh, well, starting off the chunk of music, uh, some new stuff. And Mickey Mouse is a capitalist by GFR, Real Life by Cat Power, and Breakup Songs by Deerhoof. And then we had older stuff featuring Mr. Dave Markey. Uh, Super Session with Mr. Wagstaff. Is that you singing in drums? Yeah, well, actually, I sang and played bass on that. I wrote the the music. Who's the drummer? Uh, Mike Kelly. Mike Kelly did the Mike drums. Mike Kelly's on drums on that it's one. It's mysterious. You know, I, play, I, could... I played a couple, I played drums on a couple tracks. I know, you guys have different yeah, lineups. Everything, <laughs> everything was just a, kind of a mishmash. Going this is before Raymond had, like, the solid yeah. Ray Farrell, Dirk Vandenberg, uh, 
Ricky Sepulveda version. Right. It was it was an album, and actually, you guys didn't do gigs yet, right? You just no, made there was no gigs. It was just right. we uh, the whole thing. There was some rehearsals for it. I remember rehearsing for it. Uh, there were songs written, all the songs. Well, Raymond wrote, wrote all the yeah. lyrics because right. you're singing. Raymond Ray wrote words. the lyrics. I wrote the music for Wagstaff and sang it. I wrote the music for uh, Garden Party and Losers, Boozers, and Heroes. Which you guys late did I put later. other music yeah. on, right? And he got pissed off for me taking some words out. See, Raymond's <laughs> thing about lyrics is well, the margin's here, right? And the other margin's here. You just keep going, right? And don't <laughs> you know? stop. Well, yeah. Why do you think you have all the space here? You used to just have. <laughs> so you'd have to. You have lines that would no have forty-five syllables. Right, right. like, <laughs> he did his vid- shot his videos the same don't, way. Don't, don't cherry pick me. <laughs> <laughs> you remember I hate the sound of the buzz saw. I hate the sound of the buzz saw. Don't cherry pick me. Remember doing those videos? You know, diving to read the script that just went down the wall. It was like ten pieces of paper taped together with dialogue on it, written in a magic marker about an install, and it would just go and go and go and go and go. And well, rape. movie you could—it's prose. No, so you right. can like pace yourself with a song. You're trying to put this to right. beat and shit. <laughs> That was great. I just did four songs with him for a project called Sock Tight. Uh, Dirk Vandenberg and Jerry and Steve McKay from. Uh, oh, there cool! Very yeah. cool. What a lineup! Yeah, it's a double seven inch, and he's doing the artwork. It's like a little mini gatefold. Remember how you clean the moat though with the gatefold? Yeah. And then uh, Dave with uh, Society's no no Thurston in the Tube Tops. A dear oh, flip cool. side. What's the story <laughs> on this? That that's just a weird one. Um, you know, we recorded this record with Rodney Binghamheimer called Rodney and the mm-hmm. Tube Tops, and we had uh, Thurston come in and play guitar on it. Eric Erlinson, who PFA. he's also from Pedro, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, he came in and played guitar on it. Uh, Bill Bartell, aka Pat Fear, uh, played the bass on it, right? Uh, Eric had a brother too. Yeah, music guy. Uh, I played the drums. We recorded the single. People don't know. He kind of looks like Greg Ginn. Yeah. yeah, I always thought that about Eric when I first saw him. I'm like, yeah. yeah, he looks like he could have been Gin's little brother. Yeah. Same face, same hair, same demeanor almost. I know, kind of quiet. Yeah. 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 Um, so you did this project. Thirst this project. In. And, and is then, there some funky yeah. thing you don't know on his voice? Speeding um, it up? Or well, eventually. Um, helium or what? We, 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 we recorded uh, two songs for a single for John Sympathy Record Industry. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the A-side was Rodney Binghamheimer, I Hate the 90s. The B-side was this song called Two Tops Forever. The, the song Two Tops Forever, we just took, uh, you know, the instrumental track and had uh, Thurston come in and read this actual real letter that was published in the flip side, you know. We should just, you know, entertain yeah, ourselves by reading those all those letters. Yeah. You know, like, I'm so pissed off, I'm going to write Flipside. Uh, I know, I know. Like, like that, that was so much got of... in a huge war with that, TSOL. I remember letters. that. I remember it was that. none of the guys in TSOL. It was none of the guys in the Minutemen. It was guys writing Flipside, <laughs> saying who was the bigger posers and bikers. Right. <laughs> it was proxy. Yeah. It wasn't even proxy, because we... Actually, we, were, we didn't know them that well, but we were kind of friendly with them. Sure. We had those guys. Didn't and George? God, they got suntans. We didn't know punk rockers with suntans. Yeah, you only had one surfer in your. I remember George getting <laughs> into a fisty cuss with fucking uh, Mike Ness. But that was a different. That was a TSOL. That was different. Yeah, that was different. That was but still, I always equated but all those. But we bands. got in this war right. from letters. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that. So like. So we had Thurston come in and read this letter over the track, and uh, towards the end of it, we just slowed 
recorded it uh, with Dave Travis yeah. at uh, Abbey Studio, and uh, I just had the idea just to, to slow the tape down. So, th- so towards the end of it, he's just talking like he's on helium yeah. because <laughs> the letter is just this relentless rant, you know. Yeah, it's not Thurston Lyrics people out there. <laughs> no, it, it was actually a real letter it's that was recited. published. He's doing Heart, a heartfelt. And then, then there's another project with Thurston, Society Ills. Yes, I'm, right. I'm involved. You're in on that. Yeah. I'm cool. Yeah. I think it was at the Bangs Ladies' House. We recorded that at Vicky Peterson's studio yeah. in Malibu, like right after that Northridge quake. You remember, like, the whole time we were recording, there'd be aftershocks, the whole place would <laughs> start shaking. Skins, brains, and guts, and everybody knows... Yeah. That's a very famous Seven Seconds. Uh, name of the EP and the song. The it was a start-to-finish cover of Seven Seconds, yeah. Skin, Brains, and Guts EP. Yeah. And then after that, we had Lies, Flies, and Vermin by United Mutation, which has nothing to do with Dave. It's a band <laughs> from Virginia that gave me their CD the last tour I was on. Now, back to yeah. your music. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting about Lenny Kravitz, but what about <laughs> your music? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, your first music thing is Sin 34? My yeah. first music thing was Sin 34. Ask and how I got into the drums. I just started, uh, you know, well, I just started playing drums. first music thing. I, you know. Okay, I, how did you get into the drums? I went to a thrift store. Jordan and I used to go thrift store hopping all the time. And, yeah. um, I bought a drumstick for a quarter. Sometimes dudes got in bands before they knew how to play Jordan. I talked oh, to I was, I had no idea. The, the, I had no idea how yeah. to play drums. So I, so I was like, you have to get your instrument first. I listened to it that was, reactionary it was, stuff. It was very much like early germs, you know, early Sin 34, because I didn't know how you to play. You did get the drums first, though. Yeah, I, I had a partial Not drum well. kit. I, I I had a I didn't even, I didn't even have a kick pedal. I used to Dude. kick. I used to kick the kick drum with my foot. I had this big metal uh, lampshade that I used as a ride cymbal. Oh, wow. Sounded great. Uh, you didn't have a, I didn't <laughs> have a trap set. I didn't. Ha- I, I had I had like a rack tom and and a floor tom, and I would do almost well, you tribal. Thr- you guys are. We yeah, know, we go to thrift stores. Now let me tell the story straight. We were we, <laughs> we were we were in Portland. We took the train up. Our friend had a '69 Dodge Charger. We're going to drive it back. Dave's in the thrift Portland, shop. Oregon. Yeah, Dave's in the thrift shop. He gets how old are you guys? We're, we're 16, like 16, 17. He gets one drumstick. <laughs> he gets one drumstick, and I have pictures of it. What in Portland, Oregon? One drumstick, yeah. and I think he stole it from the thrift shop. As a and the whole way home, on the he's sitting in the back of the Charger. Beaten out. Oh, so this is where you're going to be a drummer. Right, <laughs> exactly. Then he meets Julie Sin 34 and she steals the rest of the drum kit to fill it in. That, yeah, she, no, stole, no, she stole that kit for a from while. He's playing with his foot. He's not using a yeah, pedal. Yeah, I'm using well, I'm, I'm, steel Because I, did, I didn't have a pedal. I, I just did what I had. And, and I wasn't really, I was, you know, I was trying to figure it's out how like to play It's like that drums. Johnny Cash song, one almost, piece at a time. It was almost like, you know, it was almost like the Adam Ant drummers. Because it was oh. like, it was like, it was almost like, but I didn't really know Burundi style. You know, I was just like keeping time on the toms. Oh uh, no! I was sitting down. I was okay. sitting down on a milk crate, and I was kicking the kick drum with my foot because yeah. I didn't have money for a kick drum pedal. I mean, you know. But you knew they existed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I eventually, within a few weeks, got yeah. one, and you know, and I eventually got a snare, and I eventually realized that you count off the hi hat and the snare and the kick drum, and I eventually learned independence between all three and. I taught myself how to less, play drums. It just but came from that ride one stick. stick. It came from yeah. one it came, stick. It came, from, it came from listening to records and seeing bands. And, you know, one drummer that I watched very closely early on was your drummer, Georgie. 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 Yeah, I mean, he, I would watch, I mean, he's really, and also Don Bowles. I watched those guys and just, you know, like very, very inventive, very creative drummers. I just studied, 
you know, I got to see all these guys play, you know, in their element, and I just watched and absorbed and took me... You got the band right away. Yeah, yeah, the band was right away. We were playing shows, and no, there was no musicality there at all. And then within a few months, it sort of started coming together. You're doing prac, you're playing with them. Eventually, you know, you you start playing shows. I think we were playing parties, we're playing house parties, we're playing gigs. We started getting gigs, and it was like, okay... You really had to step it up. You had, in a very short amount of time, I sort of figured it out, you know. And it was just really by... But Julie was a singer. Julie was a singer. Phil Newman's bass right. player. Uh, we, had, we had a few different guitar players before Mike joined. Uh, you know. It was hard to keep a guitar player. We had, we, it, was, it was like, it was early on, it was just Julie and Phil and me. And we couldn't, yeah. we couldn't really click with the guitarist. We had a bunch of different guys come in. Mike Vallejo and, from uh, Circle One. yeah. Yeah, but he was he was doing Circle One, so he didn't, you know. You he guys was, recorded he was though. That. We recorded a, on a four track, and that was released on the Charred Remains cassette yeah, compilation. Yeah. That was our but first who's, release. Who's the guitar on there? Uh, the guitar on there is this guy named Scott Silverman, uh, who was a friend of, of Phil, Phil and or a friend of Julie's somehow. And then so he didn't last long. Before in the you're band. twenty years old, right? All the stuff is before I was. You know, it's I was seventeen. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I was a teenager. 16, 17, 18. And, uh, and, oh, shit, know, we're at the end of the first hour. Uh, it's been yeah. August 29, 2012. First hour of Wild Speedo Show. Hold tight for hour two. Special guest, Dave Markey, Jordan Schwartz. Yeah. August 29th, 2012. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. <laughs>
bludgeons. What about her and the cats? Ain't nobody gon' listen 
August 29, 2012. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. I actually made films before I got into music. Watt from Pedro Show uh, started the second... Yeah, I've been corrected. Dave actually did movies before the music, so I'm out of order, but... I think Jordan said something about that last week when he oh, yeah. met you in the skateboard in the water. You had already been making movies, you and your buddies around the neighborhood. Yeah. I started when I was 11 years old. Yeah, yeah still, So we're going to get into that, but let me tell you what we just heard because we got some more uh, Dave Markey music. Uh, actually, though, we start out with something brand new from Mau Mau's. Remember them? They got a new album out, a song called Puberty. Oh, yeah. Which is coming from Rick Wilder's trippy. You know, uh, Rick Wilder. He must have had a puberty something. Rick Wilder Time. sent me a LinkedIn uh, request, so he's still, he's out recording LinkedIn. now. Yeah. Uh, no touring. I mean, it's just a trip to get to your computer, and all of a sudden you get a LinkedIn uh, invite from Rick from Wilder. Berlin, Blatt, Brat, Rick yeah. Wilder. He's a good cat. Isn't amazing. And he's still alive. You know? Oh, I know, man. He's, he's like. And then we heard Joe Bouchard, former bass player of uh, Blue Oyster Cult, with Retro Rockstar. He's got a solo album where he plays everything, yeah, that's not cool, just the bass. Uh-huh. And then. Uh, which leads us to this next song, something that you're part of, a band called Chop. Again, this was recorded up at that uh, same place where we did the Society Hills. Vicky Peterson. I'm on the land, but I ain't no sheep. Something off the first Blue Oyster Cult album. Uh, a Blue Oyster Cult cover. And Dezo singing, and he's on guitar. Yeah. I, I'm on the bass, you're on the drums, but yep. isn't there another guitar? Uh, no, overdubbed. that was it. There was, I think he did. So Dezo overdubbed because when yeah. you listen to it, you hear yeah. way more than one guitar. And then we heard something else you were part of for a Germs tribute album called uh, a project called Puzzled Panthers doing Now I Hear the Laughter. Right. That I was think Mike uh, D singing. Mike D's on vocals. Thurston Moore's on guitar. Kara Rossler is, yeah, is on bass, and I'm on drums. And we recorded that out that out at Gson Studios. You know when the BCs were set Atwater. up. In Atwater, Village. yeah. Above the plumber. And shop. and you produced it, Watt. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I did one with Jay. I think we did what we do is secret. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a great compilation. Jay did the guitar and the drum. Defects and the defects And then we heard Strange by Dezo, Davey, and Billy. Yeah, I that's, know a, the story that's that. an interesting one. That's, uh, yeah. That was just uh, almost a live recording that we did in uh, Dave Travis and Abby Travis' studio. And that would be Des Kadena uh, on guitar, backing vocals. Bill Bartell, once again, on uh, bass and vocals, and me on drums. And uh, that's a Wired cover. Yeah, 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 it's on their first album. It's Actually, the original version has a flute. I thought for sure Bill Bartell would do the flute. Well, Bill was singing with an English accent. That's, that's, Bill. What, that's what I really <laughs> like about that. I mean, he's got... The weasels. There was this Orange County band, the guy sang with that accent. Oh, Beater with the Rake? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Or also the Rotters, just sit on my face. <laughs> that guy Hicks. sang with a That guy also sang with an English accent. I mean, that was the thing about he, punk he rock. Won, like, yeah, he, they, fake I, English I accents. They were from here. Yeah. I think they were barber or something. <laughs> the first song they come on stage was called Amputee. He would have, would have his leg tucked in behind one leg <laughs> and coming on crutches and like I'm an amputee I'm an amputee you know it's like what the fuck okay <laughs> desperate for yucks and then so we good. heard uh, Connor Jasada which you're not as much part of nowadays no I, I haven't played with but those for guys many for a years while but yeah that's uh, that's from the album you're on yeah. this right and that's, and that's it's a big the drums. collective it's got was yeah. Steve Reed Steve Reed point, Dave Jones Dave Travis Dave Travis uh, George, George Mario right. um, yeah Raymond's Casket 
That's no, my Tony. favorite tune. Uh, Tony, Tony's on that record. He didn't play on that particular track, though. Okay. Tony from... Uh, oh, no, 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 actually, no, Tony's not on that record. Sorry. I right. thought it came no, later. No, 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 he came later, but... Uh, Tony's tough, man. Yeah. <laughs> I like Tony. I like them all. I like that band. And then uh, Chris Stein actually. Yeah, Chris, Chris Stein, Stein was, on the other bass. Yeah. Chris Stein was the other bases. There's two bases. Yeah. yeah. Ah. At yeah, one point in bass. time, there was three bases in that. That's band. right. And then Steve Reed went to drum set. <laughs> At one point in time, there was two drummers. Yeah. You know the. Always been a cello. Always been a cello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Dave Travis has always been part of that. Like, almost the, the son of that solar system. Yeah. I'm not saying they revolve around him, but. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the Venus. Maybe he's the, <laughs> gets the gigs. Dave, gets, has every, Dave has everything to do with it. Okay. Sure. Yeah, he's the glue, for sure. And, in fact, I, I think I just played with him maybe two months ago at the Redwood. And in the downtown. He, he ran the That's whole right. stage. That's right. He put on the, the thing, the tribute to Al's bar. That was amazing. That was great. The Blooms. <sighs> and he yeah, ran Bloom the whole stage. Now. UHF. Got to give a shout out. And then, finally, we're Chicano Batman with the ballad of yeah. Ramundo Jaquez. Orally. Yeah. Aquis. I'm Batman. And, uh, yeah. Chicago Batman, check him out. Uh, now, look, this thing about movies, because yeah. people know you probably in SoCal for the music cool. and stuff, the drums, with uh, these projects. Also, uh, we'll play some next hour, but there was Painted Willie also. We'll get to that. But they, you're known probably outside of SoCal more for your film work. So... You actually got into this before the music, so instead of me asking what your first records, what was the first uh, movies that you liked? You know, um, I didn't even really see a lot of films when I was a kid because I was too young, and I really wanted to see films, but I had a hard time getting into R-rated films because back then, you know, being a kid, seeing R-rated films, it was tough. Like, I really wanted to see The Exorcist, and I couldn't see it. Mm -hmm. So... I just said, fuck it, I'll make my own movie called The Exorcist. But I made a movie called The Devil's Exorcist. And I was 11 years old. And I, so that you was what it about, but you never saw it. Yeah, yeah, I never saw it. Did it you was, read it, the paperback? It was what I imagined okay. it to be. I didn't even read the book. You know, I was just What's really... His name? Peter Blatty? Was Peter Blatty? Just the culture of it. You know, just the fact that every kid in... Going to Catholic school especially, you know, you would hear about it, you know... Uh, like supposedly, people in the audience were getting possessed by Satan. You know, it's like yeah. But what about what free about punk movies? rock? Really? What about movies on TV that were like uh, like uh, Casablanca, or well, you Big know, Sleep, or something like that? I guess the one I watched every year was The Wizard mm. of Oz, right? Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> that one, like you know, I think that one was an early one that made me really. No, that's kinda... intense. I used a lot of <laughs> Wizard of Oz in my new opera, more mm. than the book, the Dude, film version. Yeah. They did it. Yeah. Did big changes, like one huge change. Is the lion, the scarecrow, and the tin man are the farm hands? It's not that in the book at all. When she wakes up, she goes, "You right. were, you were there, and you were there, and you were there." There's none of that in the book, and that's really important because my take on that was little Dorothy peeking in on the the world of men and what they got to do to validate themselves to tell each other they're men. In fact, there's that big showdown with. You know the man behind the curtain, man. Right. And he's saying, "You where I come from? If you're brave, you get a medal." If you're smart, you get a diploma, you know. Yeah. Tin Man had a kind of lame one, you know. You got a heart, you get a clock. <laughs> <laughs> a clock. Hey. But you're late, you know, what the fuck is that? Hey. But he was just telling him, you kind of decide for yourself, you know. All this other shit is just these little games. And, like, Dorothy's kind of tripping on this. Yeah. That's what I took from it. The whole thing is More than, like, oh, you just got to run back home. Right. She actually had to go and see these things. See what the way the... the, the 
world quote works on work unquote so if that was it influence on you i don't think it's a bad one at all oh yeah no but this I other mean, thing too about imagining movies that's pretty happening too yeah right? I, I i you know i made movies because i was too young to see them and i think that's what my that was my early draw to it was just you know trying to create something that i would show in my neighborhood and bring all these kids together and their parents and charge them a quarter each and show them this eight millimeter movie. Yeah, you yeah know? I was going to say, and I would too have, old for video. No, no, it was, video. it was actually before Super 8, before even, or I just used my dad's eight millimeter camera and he used to... Well, so there's no sound. There's no sound. So uh, I did sound off of, uh, I had a reel-to-reel cassette, uh, reel-to-reel oh, tape recorder. Oh, you played at the same time? So, so oh. I would, but it was really always off sync and every time you play it, it would be a different thing and... You know, but it was it was exciting. It was yeah. it was it was playing with the medium. It was it was, sh- it was getting cool. people together in a room and yeah. showing them this and seeing you know I mean you know just seeing what would happen. So I mean, from an early age, I was really did you clued did, into did, it. The, the Catholic school probably didn't have film program. No, but you know we they they showed us sixteen millimeter movies. I remember they yeah, showed yeah, us they showed, yeah, you, but they they didn't showed have us um, no, no, there was no there was no film classes back then. And actually, I wanted to go to public school specifically for film classes. But by the time I got in, Prop Thirteen yeah, had cut all those those programs because Santa Monica High School used to have a filmmaking a Super Eight filmmaking class, wow. and I had heard about it, and I was really excited. And I was like, by the time I got there, you know, Howard Jar- Howard Jarvis had it next. Yeah. So um, I just continued to do what I did and I just really learned what about the the other shit like junior college or college I you know there was the regional we did get one scam the regional occupational program that's true we were involved we were involved in an after school class and we did this it was Beverly Hills but we had to take the bus to Beverly Hills how I'd do it because they had had a TV studio I'm talking a little later the Santa Monica junior college here uh yeah, they City, community colleges. What you call it? It uh, SMC didn't really have much. Yeah, didn't have a program. Wow. Didn't ACRW have was a shutout. You so, couldn't get how old were you when no, you took the bus to Beverly Hills? I'm talking about sixteen. Uh. Yeah, and it was a, you know they bussed us there after school from Santa Monica to yeah, Beverly Hills High, and we took we took two classes. I don't know if Jordan talked about this no, last no. week or not. Oh, the first class was TV production. And they had they, Beverly Hills High School, in addition to having an oil rig, had their own. 1950s television studio with those huge old tube Flying cameras <laughs> that you know that were probably recycled from a local TV station from the 50s. Mm. Wow. So they they had all that, and we uh, we produced our own weekly TV show there called Rated G. And Jordan and I sort of commandeered the show. We sort of took it over. Yeah, I was going to say when cable yeah. came in, didn't they have to start doing community? Yeah, this broadcast on yeah. Beverly Hills cable television. Yeah. So you know, people are part of their deal to get the. So people, the monopoly of the shit. They had to right. have these things where you could get... Because the Minutemen did actually a, a little gig in one of these community we had bands on. We, we, had, had, we had bands on. We brought on uh, yeah, the, you smog, guys did the Smog Marines. The Alcoholics. Remember the Alcoholics? Remember the Smog Marines. They had that yeah. guy... Tony Pony. Tony Pony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we played with the Night Cafe. I remember those cats. They were pretty hard. They were West Side? I didn't know. Where I don't they know were where they were found from. Somewhere. We found them somehow. We weren't really even going to gigs that much. We were, yeah, we were really young. We were, you know, yeah, sixteen. Yeah. We were in Santa Monica. We were isolated from, you know, we eventually got brave enough to go into Hollywood and start going to shows. Well, you know, was around that there was time. Music in, like, Machine. There was Club Eighty Eight. That didn't. Yeah, Club Eighty Eight was very sporadic. Uh, a, music a, Machine didn't happen until later. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Club 88 had a 21, I remember. Right. But somehow we got hooked up with a few various bands. We had a... But, but, well, the, but the other thing, the other class was record production. The other class was record production, and we that were actually was, taught... What do you mean? Like uh, there was two classes. Uh, the second class was record production, and our teacher was Neil Bogart of Casablanca oh, Records. Yeah. And he got busted for coke, so he decided do to do... Community service. Community service, yeah, and he was going to teach, teach high school kids. So we would meet... This was when he started this uh, label after Casablanca called Boardwalk Records, and we would meet I in his Beverly Hills office. And we we would meet I in his Beverly Hills office really early and died. Yeah. He died. He died about a year later. But yeah. during that time, we were in his class. And we were students, and we were we were trying to convince him. I remember, I remember trying to convince him to sign the Go Go's and Black Flag, and he was just like not having any of it. But. He had signed. No, Joan, he come from a disco world. He yeah, signed yeah, Joan he Jett. Joan Jett was oh, his. Joan okay. Jett was his stab in the. But punk he comes rock. from uh, Donna Summer. Right. Yeah. He did do Kiss. He, he, yes. he did yeah. Kiss. He did but Donna he, Summer. He did Village P-Funk. people. P Village uh, people. Huge. No, you know the guy was clearly a genius. You know, but yeah. still, I mean, Just it was no it was a trip having that guy. You? What did he teach you? He, he got to read the trade publications every week. No, but what did he teach you? He taught us. He taught us how to produce a record. But oh yeah, yeah, there was a recording. He he took us to the what is it, the record factory? Record plant. He brought us into the record plant. We we picked a high school band, and we came in and recorded a single with them. So we got to sit in the whole studio. So he showed you the whole process. And he he printed out a seven inch single, and we went to Rhino Records to try and sell it. And this, meanwhile, during that time, we were you know we were we were starting to go up into Hollywood, starting to go to shows, starting to go to the Starwood, starting to go starting to go to the whiskey, starting to make cassette tapes off of Rodney Bingham's show. This is where I first heard. The Minutemen, you know. This Bunch is where work. I first heard Red Cross. This is where I first heard Black Flag. You know, um, actually, it was before Punchline. I heard. Uh, well, I mean, I Rodney. That's no, I heard the first Minutemen song I ever heard was Nine Thirty May Second, and it was Cracks. it was before Cracks even came out. He had a test pressing of it, and he played yeah, it. But that's where it was on. And that song tripped us fucking out, man. Yeah, we, yeah. Were, we were, we were, we were. We used to always say that, like, what does America yeah. mean to you? Yeah. America means everything to me. Oh, we used to yeah. say that to each other. That is our line. Of Merv Griffin that's, fame. That's right. Merv Griffin. Right. Uh, in the heart Sophie of Italy. Italy. Right. Right. The people and there. And we don't even use words. We just start, like, repeating what we saw on the television. The it's people so there are probably the least but, religious in the world. But you yeah, have to realize. That's not my word. But you have so to realize that that's. That's what this is. That trip is real, though. You have to realize how much that trip is. grew up in Italy. Sophia Loren you know, if, you're, says, if you're an Italian, I'm sorry, you're going to kind of grow up a little bit Catholic. Sure. So, you know, Merv Griffin was such an idiot for saying that to her. She didn't have any choice. Right. Well, I don't know much about that, Merv. <laughs> she Murph. played it off, you know. You know what does America smile. mean to you? And what's she going to say, you know? Oh, you know, you, with, you know, Duce or some shit. You know? <laughs> No, I mean, that was a weird scene, so it yeah. made an impression on us. So we thought, whoa, they just wrote the song. And right. just put some music behind it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that because, yeah, that was a mind blow. And the way he would sit, was... too, I don't know if you remember, but Merv would, like, kind of sit like this. Yeah. <laughs> he was freaking. Yeah, he wouldn't yeah. look at you like this. He wouldn't, you know, he'd be, like, just sauntering around in the chair. Yeah. What, what do you think? It was like, yeah. The dude, and he was really good at real estate. He had a son who lived here. I think up at Laurel Tree when those uh. condos first got put in. I think his name was Tony. Uh. Hmm. I know he was younger than me. The Hacienda. Hung, hung around with him. That dude, he came on kind of a little daft on TV, but he was actually a big uh, Svengali of game shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, uh, and real estate. 
What is it? Wheel of Fortune, right? That so, I don't know. Yeah. This is me and D. Boone, right, coming of age, and uh, that's where that song comes from. So, but if you like that one. But, no, no, it tripped us out, man. We, 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 you know, we, we, we got but there's we also got, some other weird ones, ones on there. There's uh, the Sacred. Oh, the right. whole, that whole kid, One yeah. of the best Black that Flag songs ever is uh, Clocked In. Oh, yeah. Best mix. Like Spot Dead. I go to work. I just, you know. But they also let Spot do the mix by himself. Right. Which was pretty intense. I was just thinking Probably how the best recorded Black Flag you can hear the bass. First time I saw Dez Black Flag, was so good on that. Was Des with Des was the singer, and, and I didn't know that song. They weren't really playing that at gigs, yeah. so when we heard it on the thing, it was like whoa. Yeah, I saw Keith last night at the gig for Spain. But yeah, fucking you know, cracks in the sidewalk, man. That trip was out in Santa Monica. We were tuning. And that was totally in a tribute to and the chunks too. Black chunks Black. when chunks and came so, out. Yeah, chunks. Two, two chunks is actually chunks is the third one because the second one is slivers. Yeah, yeah. Right. Slivers. Slivers. We, we love Mark. the sliver. We do more big slivers. Also, fans. way down with That's that. That's the second. One. George, Greg Hurley. Greg Hurley. Yeah, yeah. George's. And but uh, D Boone actually helped write a lot of those songs. Oh really? Yeah. In fact, there's a song on Cracks called. Kindled Imagination. Right. Right? That's D. Boone playing the guitar. Which wow. Which the one that... Hey, Cabin, you need see? Yeah. You see? Yeah. See? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah. and then that keyboard or whatever kills me in that. Well, Appleizer. Yeah, yeah, the marble yeah. inside of a plastic apple that uh, plugged into a phase shifter. So it would go. And then he had the tuber. Yeah. Thing, yeah. That's what. That's the Appleizer. But he also had the tuber, which was a big tube. He'd go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vacuum So he's like, <laughs> one hand had the Appleizer, oh, the other man. had the tuber, and just hollering. Slivers, slivers. Dude, we Best were we were tripping out, out on the Pedro scene. We were, oh, we were down. All involved with that. <laughs> oh yeah. In fact, in between our, between Kindled Imagination and Slivers, there was a, a middle name. Ken. No. Splash tubs. Splash tubs. Because <laughs> Splash tubs was Liquid L, right? Oh, right. <laughs> he was like little trip meister and yeah. Going around <laughs> feeding kids' ass. Yeah. Oh man, he would get dudes going, man. There's one guy we went to the did you go to the public image gig at the Olympic? No. Okay, this dude broke his leg and he was in a cast. Yeah. He got, you know, splashed up and got him going so hard he cracked his fucking cast. He's doing the barn stump. We ended up calling him barn stump because the guy literally stomped his cast off and broke his leg in like five other places. All <laughs> didn't even know a lot of his mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Olympics all cement. It's a, uh, yeah. uh, great. Look, we got to get on to the man. got to rock on. Yeah, change the subject. <laughs> We're going to get on to the, the spin cycle. Well, I'm enjoying the Dave Markey story because I've been digging on your projects and stuff for about 27 years or stuff. So it's oh, cool to you. get to all the background story. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, it's cool. A lot of stuff I haven't really talked about much before, you know. Well, you ready for some spin cycle? Let's rock it.
Brother Matt. Yeah. What Woo! was your uh, inspiration, impetus? Uh, start off with a little summertime joy, just driving into summer because I was happy. Yeah. And uh, hadn't done it for a while. And then I got a little new Chad Rock, my bud. Had um, some dude who goes by the name of D Boom. Really? Yeah. D Boom. Yeah. M? Yeah, with an M. D Boom. And then had a little touch of Spongle because Spongle's going to be touring soon. And they're oh, really? wild. Speaking of uh, Pink Floyd, they're like the like taking all my dead shows and Pink Floyd and all the drugs and then putting them now with all the newest technology and newest drugs. And you got some Spongle. Yeah, Spongle. <laughs> and some beats. <laughs> My most ambitious one that I wrote this script when I was 14 called The Ominous, and I started shooting it. And halfway through the making of that movie, I meet this fellow sitting over here to my left, Jordan Schwartz. And uh, I go, I need someone for the role of this character, W.W. Uh, Wright. Uh, you you want to take it on? And, and uh, I cast Jordan in this film, and uh, he came in and started yeah, acting. My sister's in it, too. Jennifer's first, Jennifer right and Jordan's in. first film roles are in this film. How many and of these, this is about, these little movies that you made? Dude, the shit uh, I had <laughs> about <laughs> about 25 or 30. But uh, not all of them were feature length. Yeah, A yeah. lot of them were just short films. They were like skits. No, he did three series of skits. Like, and, they're, and they're fucking some, funny. Some of them I would... Some, some stuff I would just string it together. It was all very much... But very they, very 1970s. What would you call your first grow-up one? The, the Love Doll? Well, the first grown-up one would be the slog movie. Oh, yeah, which yeah. is kind of a documentary. Yeah, where I was actually, where I shifted and rolled, I, I became the documentarian. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it right, was called right. Desperate Teenage Runaways. <laughs> you so know. Kim Fowley showed up at our premiere. And put the kibosh on it. He had a, he had a suitcase with him. He goes, <laughs> look, it's the end of the second hour of the August 29th, 2012. Watt for Pedro Show, special guest Dave Markey, George Schwartz. Yeah. Back again with Brother Matt, stay tight. For our three, three song was for that film. August 29th, 2012's third hour of the Watt from Pedro show. Careless enough to show 
Sunday. Instead, I get it in March and June. Explain. Pedro Show, start off the third hour with uh, Don't Say I Told You So by the James Rocket, Star Juice Fresh and Frozen by Ott, I Know Exactly What You're Thinking by Sea Star Sound, I For Me by Noun, and finally Sweet 16-Bit by RSTV Moore and Hi-Fi Club, which I saw in the Hi-Fi Club last night at the gig, uh, Regis, this guy's from Korska, oh. yeah, Korska guy, I got to go there last summer. You went summer. to last summer, yeah. What a bitch, and I, you know, it's mainly Italian, but it's under France, so it's this weird mixture, uh, just beautiful uh, Mediterranean thing, good chow. Funny, I would assume good food with the yeah. Italian food. Yeah, you can see Sardinia, it's actually closer to Sardinia than it is uh, France. I think the Genovese made some horse trade with France. Is that where sardines comes from? Sardinia? Just Might, the females. Maybe the Female pescadores, yeah, <laughs> pescadores. <laughs> They they might have fished them out, but uh, their flags are similar. Like the course flag is uh, more with the headband, uh, the blindfold lifted over his eyes, and the Sardini has the four of those. Mm. 
So they, they're, they're kind of related. I don't know. I just like it. Uh, get, but enough about me. Uh, let's get back to Dave Markey, George Schwartz. Dave Markey. Yeah. Something about uh, Reality 86. <clears throat> yeah. That's, that's after the Love Doll. Well, what, 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 I shot let, we, we should finish up the Love Doll okay. thing, though. What, sure. what, what, what's your summary on that, looking back now after all these years? Uh, you know? You really liked the first one because it was tight, but the second one got kind of strong. I, I like the second one better, actually, because it's just a little bit more ambitious. Um, I mean... Ah, you so know, he's the, counter to you. The, the, first, the first film was done for $250, you know? Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about Jam and Econo. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you show me a, a motion picture that was produced for that amount of money... That, that got seen by as many people as that did. That, that movie has to hold some sort of record. Well, what about the second one? The second one... That was the multi-million dollar one? The second one we actually, <laughs> we actually spent about ten grand on. Because, really? Because we wow. actually, we we actually screened the film. Every, every penny that we made uh, from screening the film around town, we just yeah. put back into and, the And the selling pot. VHS and, Yeah, and sell, selling the video. and so gigs. So I actually had, had $10,000 to play with. For, for me at the time, that's like a... You know, that's like a, a buttload. That's like a yeah. million dollar budget. I mean, and now you, you talk a million dollars now considered low budget for a movie now. Like, oh, things I know, are I really know. that world is so up. bizarre. Like, <laughs> yeah. like thirty million now is low so budget. So looking back on it, you like the more being more ambitious. Well, you know, I liked it because it was just a little bit more. You know, there was just more to it. There was more layers. There was more stuff going on. It was a little bit more. Inventive in a way. Then, okay. The first yeah. the first film had a great punch to it. It was kind of it was, but it was kind of like a, you know, it was it was kind of like getting punched out. The second film was more. Okay, of a I, you know what? We should <laughs> tell people if they can. You, is any of this stuff on YouTube or all this? All these films are available from. Uh, I, I have I have them all on DVD and they're all available from oh. my website. Yeah, your uh, website. We, we, we got, got powerfilms dot com and uh, if you just type we my got you, powerfilms dot com. Yeah. That's all one thing. W e g o t p o w e r f i l m s dot c o m. Go there, and yeah. Dave Markey's work is available there for you people. So it ain't all YouTube up. You guys got to help support this man. There's there's, now, there's now, stuff on YouTube too if people want to watch. Are they excerpts? They're not the whole deal. Uh, actually, I think the first film's up with the director commentary. The slog movie's up with director commentary. Uh, now, director commentary is you talking? Uh yeah, um, no, the, further, the the first one actually Jordan and I did it. Right. So we so we te- we, we both talked the first one. It's uh, the the second one is Jennifer, myself, and Jeff and Steve McDonald. It's really good. That's really funny. Uh, and then the the slog movie commentary, which is my favorite, which includes yourself and Keith Morris and me uh, and Jordan yeah. and uh, that mean, that, those those are entertaining in their Travis's own game. right. David Andy's. Yeah. No, no Hollywood. Okay, you were. <laughs> yeah, I do remember because it was a crack up, man. I, I was taken back to them days with Dee oh, Boone yeah. and well, the fucking strand. One other oh, yeah. thing yeah. about Love Doll Superstar, yeah. when when Dave was editing, when we he was editing the film, we had this VHS editing place called Easy TV. Well, he had a pop involved with CBS. Dave Travis, his yeah. dad was a news cameraman. That's what it was. Yeah. So he had access. He had some equipment. Yeah, he had some gear. Yeah, that's yeah. how we did the slipping in video. But we did we did the the rough inch uh, the, uh, the rough half inch VHS edit at Dave's house first as sort of a test as like a dry run through, uh, and that's yeah. And we did the slipping in video around the same time. Yeah, yeah. But but the thing is that's well, that was right around when, when the D boom thing happened, right? It was right was when that well, yeah, he was killed at the yeah. end of eighty yeah. five. Yeah, that was that was Dave was editing the film. I was just it. finishing the movie because I was rushing to because I was about so the, I was about to go out on the that, road. That, that, that space shuttle thing happened. 
Just after. I was about to go out on the road with Black Flag for six months, and I had to finish that thing. So I was in there day and night trying to finish the movie, and that's where I got the news about Dee's death. That was really... It was a crippler. It was really rough. It was a crippler. Look, we got some more music by you. Some uh, Pipe and... Yeah. Anarchy Six and... and Pipe Pipe is... Pipe is playing right now. Yeah. As a lead singer. Front man. Hush your mouth. We're on KXLU. The name of this song is Clunk. We are Pipe, also known as Colonel Cluck, also known as Mexico, also known as Hospital. I like to take this time out to to, uh, introduce the members of the band. Yeah, on uh, on lead guitar, we have Mike Glass, aka Mike Geek. On the bass guitar, we have Joe Cole, aka Joe Bulacocha Man. On the vocal mic, we have Jordan Schwartz. A.K.A. Uh, I ain't getting into it. And on the drums, we've got David Markey. Also known as the Dancing Bear. Okay. <laughs> All right. This one's going out to Satan. He's my best friend.
Texas. Well, for Pedro Show, we're having an interesting behind-the-scenes scene here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, but we uh, played some uh, uh, Dave Markey music. Let's go backwards. Actually, the last song I played, I found some live Husker Du. Because the first uh, New Alliance record was a Husker Du album. Yep, yep. Yeah, Alliance you know, first record. time they came out here to, yeah. to hook up with you guys, we had them out hanging with us in Santa Monica. Yeah, they came by to visit. In well, I remember they went and visited Spot, who was living with the subhumans at the time. Yeah. yeah. But we actually put the album out without meeting them. It was only phone calls from Minneapolis. Wow. They gave the tape to Black Flag. Do the beat. And, and, and Black Flag couldn't put it out. So they gave it, we thought it was like Blue Oyster Cult on methamphetamine. And so, <laughs> yeah, we want to put this out. That's probably what it was. But I found another live gig. It's recorded really well. And this is a song called Private Hell. And then before that, we had, uh, I could, you listen to just Dane Markey. So I guess it's you as you uh, doing something called Devil's Day Off at that Synthesizer was, Rock. That was me. Just I recorded an entire album on uh, Casio uh, in 1990 uh, when I was living in San Francisco. And uh, that's a track from it. No band name, just Dave Martin. Uh, it was just, yeah, I never named it anything, so, yeah. And ahead of that was Painted Willie, which was kind of the scene talk because we were talking about opening up for people on tour. Right. And Willie, actually that bass man is from... Uh, Sin 34. 34. Right, yeah. right. Phil and I started in the Sin 34 and went on to the Pain Willie after. But with a guitar guy, that tall Different guy. guitar player. Uh, guitar player was Vic from, remember, uh, St. Vitus Dan- uh, Dance Band? Right, right, <laughs> SVDB. Right. Not, not, not St. Vitus. Vitus not to be confused with St. Vitus. Or wherever. But, uh, uh, but yeah. I, I think is playing gigs again. Chandler's yeah, yeah, yeah. out. Yep. You're going to play Blue Lake Theater. Who's Linus singing? Is, playing is it Lionel? Theater. Yeah, I might think so. Actually, I don't know who it is. They, they have some other English guy, too, for a while. Vitus. We get sidetracked on Vitus. It's a whole other thing. Go you got to call Carducci. Next thing you know, we'll be talking about the mentors or something. <laughs> I already mentioned Okay, ahead of that, we had Sin 34, which was Phil with Dave and their yeah. first band with uh, many guitarists and Julie. Yeah. And then you got to do some gigs recently. Oh, right. for you people, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, Sin 34 was the name of the, I think, the first big Latin TV station. Yeah, Spanish TV. Yeah. KMEX. Yeah. Yep. Spanish yeah. International Network, Channel 34. That's it. That's yeah, it. and they That's used it. to have the commercials that would come on. Yeah, <laughs> it was UHF, you know? Right, UHF right. was the first alternative television. Yeah, that from the Merch right. shit, right? Yeah. In fact, there was some stuff there with no commercials for the public broadcasting. Yeah. Uh, ahead of that was Anarchy 6 with Third World Vacation. Right, that was our riff on Dead Kennedy's holiday in Cambodia. And that's, Who's in that's, the band? That's, that's uh, funny enough, it's, it's Sin 34 with Steve McDonald singing. Yeah, that's it's, right. um, and Anarchy 6 is... A once pro- again, Anarchy 6 is myself on drums, Phil Newman on bass, Mike Glass from Sin 34 on guitar, and we did that one record, Hardcore Lives. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, that came out of Loved All right. Superstar. What's Phil doing? Is he around? Phil's around, you know. Doing music? Uh, doing a bit. Uh, you know. Oils and candles and... He's really into making incense and knives. He makes his own knives. Okay. Yeah. But I, for a while he was running a studio, though, right? Spinhead was. Yeah, Spinhead. Spinhead was, uh, was 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 the hang back in the day, especially for yeah. the health regimen. Yeah. Okay, and then uh, we started off with Clunk by Pipe, and that's got Joe Cole, the late Joe Cole. Joe Cole and Jordan Schwartz on vocals. Jordan Schwartz. On that the was vocal. recorded live at Kick. You're so the drummy. Yeah. Who's the guitar? Uh, Mike again, Mike That's Glass. Right. So a lot, a lot of, a lot of different band names, same stable of people, you know. <laughs> but different themes, right? Like different every, themes, <laughs> different years, different, same different stable. concepts. <laughs> anarchy, anarchy, same stable. A few people drop in, a few people drop out. You know how it goes. Anarchy yeah, yeah. Six came out of the Love Dolls Superstar movie. That was the Love Dolls' pet hardcore band. 
Right. That was sort of like our Ruddles version of hardcore. <laughs> and so, but but Pipe was our kind of '90s, early not pre-grunge thing. Yeah, in a way, it was very flag inspired too. Yeah, very, oh, very flag. Like like everything else we did. Well, yeah, it got the kibosh because <laughs> of that. And, 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 oh, the and, irony, right? Suspected irony, or, and, and Joe, and it was you know Joe Cole wanted to play bass, right? He was getting into that. Yeah, yeah Joe yeah, really wanted Joe really wanted to you know do this band. It was really actually. He was pretty responsible for like getting it going because was Hank living with him then? That yeah. was right before. Oh yeah, that's right. That was right before. Pad. Joe, Joe had his own pad on, on, right off in of uh, right off of the beach. Because you know he's in the uh, Cedrone movie. Oh yeah, he tries out for the drums. Drum and comes to the door. Yeah, and he's got his sticks, and uh, yeah. I think Mike Kelly asked him, "Will you cut your hair?" And he's like, "No." It's like, "Fuck you," <laughs> or he tells us to fuck off, like. Like, Sir Drone the, the, is the like, big issue is the hair. Though. Sir Drone to me is the perfect film. That's that's the best screenplay of any film I've ever way, produced. Speaking of Sir Drone, you know there's a bootleg version of Sir Drone that I was in. I think I played. No, there's role. a whole different thing with Rich Polly Rich. Yeah, Sunday. I was in. I'm in that. Yeah, I'm in yeah, that. I've and me it. and Brewer, Brewer got me into that. And we were like, Pettibone, like, when's Pettibone going to show up? Pettibone is that other guy. I know, because he didn't Larry know Wessel. The yeah. Larry guy. But nobody told us that the thing was cut. We did the whole thing. I know, I know. It. But he didn't like the way that dude worked. And at that time, Raymond was so passive, he yeah. just wouldn't say anything. And the dude wouldn't did it. Yeah, yeah. That right. was, go. Yeah. So there's the alternate, the unauthorized. But uh, Dave Markey's in... Uh, I think he's Allen Ginsberg in uh, Weatherman. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and uh, Polly Rich Sorbates in that one. You're in it a little bit. Too. I also play yeah. Yoko Ono too. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you're in there with the pose. With yeah, the, yeah. No, no, yeah, no. It's Ginsberg. That's that's a right, right, signature right. role. I'm not, I'm uh, Gabe Nemish. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like ninth 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 year economic student. Or something. <laughs> a really a really natural actor. <laughs> And I just said, he has me free all these stupid fucking It's actually about uh, Kim and well, Thurston Moore, yeah, yeah, more. And I'm just this mouse guy. And uh, But for, for when he brought Sir Drone, I'm actually kind of, it's Mike Kelly, but I'm kind of like with him. Yeah, and you and Mike are so fucking brilliant in that movie, But man. so, the, the cousin, or Scooter, you know. Right. What was his name? Rich Lee. Richie. Yeah. He killed himself. Yeah. But he, I thought he was very good in it too. He was that 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 movie is just magic, man. There's this one scene where Mike Kelly, uh, there's some village between you know Stalinist issue that we have to take care of, and uh, <laughs> I think Mike Kelly looks at him and he goes, "We we want to be alone," and the guy's face is just <laughs> he just the perfect talk about natural actor. I thought I think Richie was really God. His name his name was Richie. Yeah. I keep thinking of a scooter. He had that yeah. band too, Alkaline or he had a Alkaloids. Bands. I forget the name. He played bass in a band. He had a fans. Yeah, he had a fansy too. Yeah, that was okay. Let's get yeah. back to. Uh, well, I also did 86. that. I also did that uh, <clears throat> Patty Hearst movie with Ray too. That's right. The Citizen Tom. Not in that one. I gave Ray the title for that. He liked it. <laughs> there's also a Manson one. And there's a Manson one with Robert. I'm not Nader. in it either. Those are two I'm not in. Uh, but, uh, no, but uh, look, get, get getting back, back to Dave Markey stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's all sort of cross-pollinated, man. You know, by the time we got to the late '80s, we'd you know, because you've been done doing so some much rock shit. videos. 
We didn't I started that. doing I started doing rock videos. I guess the first one was for Black Flag for the Slip It In one. Did that with with Travis and uh, me, my sister Jordan and Dukowski and um, yeah, that you know that, that's. Then I did a few. You know, I did a few other videos. Like I did a couple for Sonic Youth, and they really liked it a lot. And then that sort of led to, you know, the the movie. Shit, you did some for me. Yeah, I did. I did a couple. I did Down with the Bass. Yeah, Down with the Bass and Mannequin. And Mannequin. And once again, for a while, I would cast Jordan. Those are really, really good. And I think they're pretty econo. Yeah, they were all done. They were all done for a Black and Whiters, and you used some drag racing footage. I actually shot that drag racing footage myself. Went out to, uh, we went out to Palmdale. It looks like stock footage. Looks like stock footage, but it's actually stuff that I shot. Jordan and I drove out no, there. No, so they just shut it down. We don't have now. Uh, SoCal. You have to go to San Diego to drag race now. They just shut everything oh, down. No more Buttonwood place out there. Mm-hmm. That was oh, your concept. Wood. Yeah, uh, that's what you wanted. That's what yeah, you wanted yeah. in the video is visuals. You're like, give me some drag race. I asked for it, but I didn't know. You know, it was more of these like. Give me a dude so. fixing a clock, and that's that's where I can yeah. fix a clock. And Jordan, of course. Yeah, <laughs> Jordan's in the lot base, I, I, well, I was really big into drag racing when I was a boy. That's why I wanted right. to do that. The wire thing, mm, it was a live. That was we shot that live pole, sh- so I thought it should be like yeah. a live thing. Yeah. I don't know why I wanted to wear the fucking dress. I think it's because my beard was so big. I thought it was going to look funny. Remember, I had a beard out to here at that time. Okay, and yeah, I thought yeah, that yeah, would yeah. look so ridiculous. That's but right. I, I don't really know. It was a spur of the moment thing. I didn't think about it that much. Well, you much. know, when you think about it now, in 1993, or when was that? I don't know. 91, 92. 92. Okay, well, the dress thing, yeah. you know, you mentioned it earlier, Cobain. Also, Kirk Kirkwood. Oh, maybe that's it. Also, Kirk Kirkwood wore a dress on the cover of uh, Too High to Die, so it was maybe going that's around. what it was. What I was thinking in my head was the beard, but really what all I wanted was a good live thing because right. it was a live song. And uh, you did really well with that. And the down with the bass, especially the editings with the music. You want to know something? Happened. You want to know something weird about that one? The night I shot that film, December nineteenth, nineteen ninety one. Burrito day. In the wee in the wee Dead hours of the morning. <laughs> in the wee hours of the morning, that's when Joe Cole was shot and killed. On my birthday. Wow. And I remember you calling me up the next day. And you were like, you'd heard about it, and you were just. You left a message that was just like, you know, don't worry about finishing the video quickly. You know, you, you were like, you know, expressing your condolences. You left a really great message, and uh, that was just so fucked up. You I don't know. know how to handle those situations. They're so lame. Well, especially, you know, a sudden death. Guys. You know, yeah. Like, and it's that late December. But this, uh, yeah. late December we're rolling up into, yeah. since you mentioned Kurt, we're rolling up into this tour. Right. Everything's and eventually It's, a, it's actually a Sonic Youth Dinosaur Nirvana tour. Right, it Europe. was. That, it, Dinosaur joined for a couple dates. It wasn't like one big rolling tour with all these well, bands. Well, you know what? When I saw it was mostly Nirvana, when I saw Nirvana, they were opening up for Dino. Yeah, in Hollywood, yeah. me and Raymond went. That Palladium. I remember that gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Well, you know, at that point in time, Sonic's really, you know, they had, you know, they had the Goo album come out. Yeah, they had they had a year on the road. Yeah. Of their own tour, their their thing was you know they they opened for Neil Young in well, stadiums. That, Remember that? Isn't that a lot of that in a? Yeah, they yeah. Made him go on while the people weren't even in the seats. Right. No, but, they had to go on before SD, right. I think. But but I thought a lot of that is in Europe. Uh, no, our Europe. film is that. Yeah, that's but, what I mean. but I was just saying the, the, the situations that led to oh. the reality of making that film. I think at that point in time, you know, 
it was Thurston's concept for me to, you know, come along and shoot stuff and document this. I think he had an idea that it was going to be something special, you know. I mean, No, they did for Evil Toward. I think Lee had a camera. Right. They shot tons of stuff. They've been threatening putting in it together for years and releasing it. But, uh, you know about but this, Dave, right? Dave, yeah, oh, yeah. I remember it was at the Roxy, and Lee yeah. told me. I shot some stuff for that. Lee gave me his camera that night yeah, in 86. And I shot some stuff that I think for that project that of course is still yet to see the light of day. But I think, you know, for me, one thing I had proved at that point in time is I could actually get something done. I could could conceptualize it. I could do it. I could make it happen and get it out for, for, you know, not a lot of money. And this was the next film, which was 1991, the year punk broke, which I did how, like I did all my other films shot on super eight, one man crew myself, you know, I'm editing the thing myself. I'm doing. Well. Obviously, you didn't plan a lot of this shit. Can't well, remember, there, there comes one right. point where Thurston goes ducks. <laughs> I'm going home. You know, he's gonna, you know, remunerate on ducks. You know, whereas a, a dude who can really do it good is Dave and uh, Chris with "Hold the Olives." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, they're playing with the chow and yeah. the. <laughs> Speaking of the fucking uh, catering tables. Yeah. Oh, the whole the grave song. Yeah. <laughs> but the first was so intense. The first yeah. is like, he's like pondering. He's like ducks. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah. And, and that, that and comes into play because, you because the, camera. the bootleg shirt with the punk duck doing <laughs> fuck you that <laughs> Kurt bought and Thurston bought and wore. Kurt wore it on that, you know, uh, when one of that music, you know, music videos that he did and the whole punk duck thing was just an inside joke. And actually, the whole 1991, the year punk broke, was an inside joke. Right. It's just something that we said as a, as, as a laugh because right. we're sitting there the first day of the tour watching, you know, the television, and Motley Crue comes on MTV doing a cover of Anarchy in the UK. Right. And we're like, okay, here it is all these years later, and here's punk rock to arena audiences. And, uh, Actually, you know, did, it just kind of came out of, came out of a joke. Did Megadeth do it? Somebody did it in the 80s, too. Marsh. I don't know. I don't well, know. At, at the time, at the did time. Did they do it? Maybe later. I mean, I'm not saying... There got to be a certain point in time where all those bands came out and did their punk record. Oh, yeah. You know. I mean, there was a tons of poses. Guns N' Roses uh, doing, you know, Charles fear. Manson. Guns N' Roses did doing fear. fear. Well, I mean, Red Cross was doing Charles Manson 10 years before that. I mean, all this stuff was just building and brewing and happening on an underground level for a decade here. And these you know? guys were just cherry-picking. You know. And then at a certain point, it just made Actually, me like... they were at war with that whole scene. They wanted that right. scene to be gone. It just reached ahead. Oh, yeah, I mean... So they just co-op. You remember, you remember, like... Oh, I told Remember Motley Crue coming up in the fucking scene in the 80s? That's that was a guy got brawl with right. the blonde Poison. That went over to KMT. Oh yeah, that's right. And then, and then eventually, all that shit in Hollywood went from like it went from like the decline of the Western Civilization Part One to the decline of the Western shit, Civilization Part Two. Ooh, when all those ooh. guys grew their hair long, ooh, started ooh. you know like. Now the best one is uh, Wodka Man in the pool yeah. asking hey. for mom. Right. Yeah. That's funny. This is the first time you mentioned this because when he was on last week, he couldn't stop talking about decline one. Right. We got Power Max all the way Plus here. the unpublished plus, six issue. Yeah. Plus essays. Plus After the fact, 400 yeah, photos 
Right, yeah. all the from, photos from, you found when you from, he told the story about you getting the scanner. Right. Yeah, you got the scanner. You know, it's just like we just ran through. <laughs> at that point in time in 2004 when we started doing it, we, we hadn't looked at these images in 20 years. You know, we, we had no idea what's there. And like, it's not like we had any big plans involved in any of this. It was just simply like, okay. No, but like Ishmael right? says at the end of Moby Dick, you lived to tell the tale. Right. <laughs> yeah, we survived a bit. Fucking A. Exactly. You know how collection. you yeah. How does he make it? He's floating on Quicod's fucking casket that he's carving. And right. Shows to go you. So I know you didn't have plans in those days, Dave, but you're here. Right. And you're here, you know, because a lot of the young people weren't there. Right. They're curious about this shit. Yeah. And they ain't just nostalgic. They just want to know where some of this stuff comes from. And we got some stories in the book. Rollins It's a trip. Because right. here's the deal. Fucking photos right to me. Photos. Photographs are their own trip. They're mm -hmm. not like movies. They're not. They're not telling you what to think. Or, or maybe they are. But a photo is a photo, and photos, to me, transcend language. I think you can get so much in an image, and no one person, like, in, in between Jordan and myself here right now, I don't think like if we were in this room to take the same photo, Jordan's photo would be totally different from my photo. You know what I mean? It's it's very personalized. It's it's even if you use the same camera, right. even, even if you use yeah. the same camera, it's going to be framed differently. It's going to have a different fraction of a second. When you're recording an image, it's all about that one hundredth of a second that you're capturing. And photos, to me, are their own thing, and they they have their own life. They have their own light, and. Uh, it's just really awesome that we're able to present them in this way and so the story that it in the tells. Book, it's also celebrated with this thing coming on the eighth of September. Yeah, track station six. So we got 16. about about hundred forty something prints of the pictures. They're scanned at high res. We print them out on yeah. these high res printers. But y'all got people so. playing. Is it like what you got here? And we got yeah, yeah. We got we, we got um, we got the adolescents playing. Yeah, we got There's Tony. Uh, I can get my story yeah. from. Him. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he's he's good. One of the one of the first bands that I saw back then was the Adolescents, along with Black Flag, and DOA and the Minutemen at the Santa Monica Civic. But these bands they play it's only Adolescents. <laughs> no, no. But I mean, I mean Adolescents, Adolescents, uh, Saccharine Trust are going to be performing yeah. the uh, start to finish the Pagan yeah. Pagan Icon EP with with, with uh, Holtzman on. Number the day by us is Pagnicon. Pagnicons? Yeah, Pagnicons. And uh, Rob Holtzman. Rob, Rob Holtzman's Holtzman from playing drums for the first time. I heard the time. drummy can't uh, yeah, make the gig, right? Double yeah. booked, whatever. The first time in I don't know how many years. When did Holtzman leave Saccharin? 82? Whatever. 30 years ago. Join uh, Slavery in Underpants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Overpants. last, we got the fun, before, before Saccharin is the yeah. last? Yeah. Okay. We got the last. Got and we got, you know, Joe lives here in Pedro. And we so got we got uh, white flag and dead issues opening Bill the show. Martel. And dead issues, dead issues Palm Springs. That's Mario, Mario Lolly. Lolly. That's Herb Linnell. That's those guys. Those guys were responsible for starting the whole fucking Kyos, desert thing. Man. Yeah. The, everything in the desert spilled out of those guys. But Herb had this band called Dead Issue right. in the early '80s, Old and age. they never did anything. But no. now they are, Too and they're going. The they're going back and looking at those songs and playing them live, and they're fucking awesome. And uh, those guys are great. I love those guys. Mario, Mario Lolly, anything that he does. That's you know, what um, Yeah. You know. Um, Dave Markey, Jordan Schwartz, I really want to thank you for coming aboard. Yeah, Thanks you, for brother having Matt. us. Awesome. Like, Brother Matt, I, I totally agree with him. You're like a book. You guys are like historians. 
Yeah, you know. And it's a joke about that. And this is about my, uh, my a scene I even came out about, but you, you, you give me perspectives that make me think about the stuff. In we a good used to life. joke about being punk rock historians. With it even, I didn't know I was going to make it. It even tricks yeah, me out to look yeah. at it. Right. I too hard. I didn't know I was going to make it. <laughs> Hey, but I'm I'm glad you guys yeah, are here. Seat like Ishmael, you. like Ishmael, <laughs> live to tell the tale. I want to have you both on the show again, please. Sure. Okay. Yeah, right. Glad to be here. This has been August 29th, 2012 edition of the Wat for Pedro show. Everybody, keep your powder dry. Yeah.